2 Peter 3.18. And we are a bunch, or a bunch of wicked sinners saved by the grace of Almighty God. The Bible says, For by grace are you saved through faith that not of yourself is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We have nothing to boast of outside of the cross of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul said, we, not, we don't glory save in the cross of Jesus Christ. So without his grace, without his mercy, we're helpless. The Bible says he came to seek and to save that which was lost. All that's for free. None of that was in my notes. Praise God. Second uh, Peter 3.18. I want, when Brother Pastor Gunther texted me the other night, and uh, he was asking if I could step in the priest, I said, Absolutely. And within about 15 seconds, the subject came to my mind. So I know it's of the Lord. There was no debate. There was no wrestling. It was clear as a bell. You know, I think, I think people don't realize in our churches that when you get saved, God wants you to grow. He just don't want you to stay idle your whole time. Until, if that was the case, he would have just took you to heaven the moment you got saved. What's the point? The point is that we're supposed to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And I want to I teach a message that's dear to my heart because um, I remember this day in my life um, where God started moving in my heart and my life and uh, started getting serious about the things of God. I was about 18 years old, 19 years old, and I haven't looked back, praise the Lord. And um, the just shall live by faith. You can't be like Lot's wife and enjoy the pleasures and look back you know, at the same time. You can't hold the world in one hand and God in the other. You can't serve God and mammon. You've got to go all the way with God with no turning back, no reservations. And I want to teach on this subject. Let's read this verse. But grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. But grow in grace is where I, my kickoff point is. Brothers Dollars, will you pray over this message, please? I want to preach on tonight the subject, how to become a giant for God. How to become a giant for God. When a person accepts Christ and starts out as a Christian, the Bible says, according to 2 Corinthians 5.17, that he is a new creature created in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away, Brother Shine, and all things are become new. When you get saved, the Bible declares that we are newborn babes in Christ. And something will happen when you get saved immediately. It won't take forever. It will take, it's like the maniac. When he got saved, he went back and he, he put clothes on. He, came, he, went and he had a personal desire right when he got saved to go witness to his family and friends. He didn't have to go to seven weeks of soul winning classes. It was a natural burning desire, Brother Vipon, that God gave him. And when you're saved, you're a newborn babe in Christ, and it's only natural for a baby to want milk, to want, you know, to grow in that way. And, that, and it's the same thing in Christianity. First um, Peter uh, two two says that we may grow thereby. We'll desire the sincere milk of the word that we may grow thereby. When you first get saved, you want the milk of the word of God. You want to be in the house of God whenever the doors are open. You want to feed on the word of God. And there's a process that takes place. 
Um, it's called maturity. And when you start feeding on the milk, you start growing in the faith. And the Bible says when a person first gets saved, they will have a natural desire for the milk of the word, and they will desire it every day. The Bible says give attendance to reading. I don't care how much reading you do in a day, but give attendance to it. Make it a, a pattern in your life to make sure that you're feeding on the milk of the word of God. You're feeding on the, the word of God every day. Don't let days go by, weeks go by without getting in the Bible. Make it every single day and you'll find yourself growing quick. Um, but as time goes by, this is what I want to get into. As time goes by, that baby begins to grow. New hungers will develop and the milk will no longer satisfy. Listen to me very carefully. When you really want to grow in the Lord, you'll get to a point, God will bring you to this point through preaching, where you'll get under conviction like Brother Eric was just saying. And he will bring you to a point, it's kind of like an eagle, he'll never fly until he's pushed out of the nest. You know what I'm saying? And God, through conviction, through scripture, will get you to want to desire the strong meat of the word of God. And most Christians never get past the milk. They're in church 50 years and they're content with the milk. Because the meat is hard. The meat, sometimes it's hard to take. You know what I'm saying? But when you start getting in the meat, then you'll start growing. And you'll start becoming, you'll spread your wings and fly like an eagle, the Bible says. But it's a process. You have to be dedicated. You've got to be determined. You've got to be hungry for the things of God, Miss Shine. And when you do that, God will start growing you, advancing you. You know, it's amazing to me in the Bible that Joseph, most, most of the people, Joseph, David, Daniel, all these young people, preteen most of the time, they were doing more than anybody else, even adults. You know what I'm saying? Because they learned how to get on the, the meat of the word of God. And this is what the Bible says. If, if a Christian refuses, if a, a Christian refuses to get off the milk of the word and get onto the meat of the world, they will never grow in the Lord or be mature, and they will never ever reach their full potential for the glory of God. You understand, Brother Vipine, God created us in his own image. When we get saved, the Bible says a new man. We have a new man inside. Everything about us should want to bring glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says we are bought with a price. We are not our own anymore. The Bible says that we beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And your mind should be transformed and renewed. We should think just like God thinks. And we should get off the milk eventually and start getting on the, the meat. And that's when you begin to grow as a Christian. That's when you start getting into the, the realm of being an adult and mature. And, and a, you, eventually, if you do it long enough and you do it consistently enough and you're hungry enough, you'll become a giant for God. You know what I'm saying? Um, David was a giant long before he stepped before Goliath. And he was just a little kid. The Bible declares that he killed a lion Tim, with his bare hands. A lion and a bear <laughs> that was coming after the sheep with his bare hands. And he was a little kid. You know what I'm saying? It's, God's no respecter of persons. He wants to use every one of us. He wants to fill us with the Spirit. He wants to, us to reach our full potential. But this is the danger if you don't get off the milk. This is what the Bible says. Hebrews 5, 12 through 14 says this. For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you had need that one teach you again. Miss Jessica, in our churches all around this country, we got people that have been saved 10, 15 years, and they can't teach a class. They can't sing a song. They can't testify. They can't shout. can't do anything. You know what I'm saying? Because they're still babes. You know what I'm saying? It's time, like when Paul, Brother Conley, when Paul, his biggest problem in 1 Corinthians 3 was when he went to the church of Corinth, Brother, Brother Zollers, and he talked about carnal babies that never grew. You know what I'm saying? And they always fought him. 
when you're immature in the Lord, you're always going to fight the cause of Christ, the man of God. And, but the Bible says, perfect peace of they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. When you love God and you're plugged into the Spirit of God and you're operating through the power of God, nothing that preacher says is going to be too hard for you. Nothing. I've never got mad at a preacher for telling me the truth. Never. I might not live it all the time, but I'm not going to get mad at him. It's like getting mad at the mailman for giving you the mail. He's just a deliverer. You know what I'm saying? So it, it's stop getting mad at a preacher for telling you the truth, you know. Um, but this is what the Bible says. When they have, they ought to be teachers. You have need that one teach you again, which, which should be the principles of the oracles of God and become such as have need of milk and not strong meat. For everyone, I underline this, everyone. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of their of use have sent their senses exercised and discerned both right, good, and evil. Paul's biggest problem in church was from stubborn, rebellious members who refused to get off the milk and get on the strong meat. And because of it, they were carnal and only caused problems all the days of their life. You understand, Mr. Ruby, why a, a church, I've been in all kinds of different churches. I know what the spirit is, when the spirit's right in the church, when the spirit's wrong in the church, when it's cold, when it's lukewarm, when it's hot. You know what I'm saying? I've been in some churches, the spirit was so dead, I wanted to jump out of the window and go home. I'm serious. I wanted, I just could not, I was singing, we were singing Amazing Grace, I couldn't even move my lips. That's how dead it was in that church. I found out later on, they're fighting everything in that church, all the members. You know what I'm saying? That's because immaturity. Um, Our churches are filled with spiritual babies that complain about every little thing, buck the preaching, fight the preacher, whine, murmur, gossip, sow discord, discourage others, quench the spirit, refuse to repent cause drama, cause hurt to the cause of Christ, and it's simply because they have never got off the bottle and advanced past the spiritual nursery and knowledge of God. That simple. That simple. And when you get on the meat, you'll become mature. And all these little things like pink, pink paper in the bathroom, you won't give a rip about that. You know what I'm saying? It, it, we're trying to reach people. That's what's important, reaching people. Banding together with no jealousy, no partiality, with no bitterness, with no unforgiveness, you know, we all join together and reach the community, reach the world. You know what I'm saying? And that's when you become mature, when you want to do that. And um, so the Bible says rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. And when a person sees no problem in hurting the cause of Christ, they will never grow and struggle all the days of their life, and they will be under the judgment of Almighty God. The Bible teaches. Um, when a Christian is truly in tune with God and feasting on the meat of God's word, that this will be the result. He will grow. He will give, he will shout, he will encourage, worship, soar, reach new heights, advance daily, enjoy great victories, fill his presence, cry, testify, teach, sing, pray, rejoice, and mature into a spiritual giant for the glory of God. David said, my cup runneth over. That's what, the, that's what David said. He was so full of the anointing of the Spirit of God that his cup was splashing on other people. You know what I'm saying? You talk about that all the time, Ms. Shine. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And we are a light. The Bible, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And the Bible, he expects us to be that light. We are, we are his ambassadors. We are, out, we are out to make a difference. And we're never going to make a difference if we're miserable all the time. You know what I'm saying? It takes, why would, any, why would the unsaved want what we want if we're miserable and sad all the time? You know what I'm saying? When you get saved, this would be some excitement, some joy, some exuberance. You know what I'm saying? We got a home on high. Our Savior died for us. He rose from the dead, like Brother Rob was saying. He's given us everything. He's given us blessings. He's given us health. He's given us wealth. He's given us finances. Amazing. And he's given us shelter. He's given, we could be homeless tonight. 
you know, but here we are sitting in the, in the church with the air, with the, with the warmness and everything else under the sun. And um, it's all because of the good grace of God. The only way to reach giant status for God and grow daily is allow God to mature us and to live a life of dedication and seriousness for Christ. Um, Colossians 1.10 says this, that you may walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. The Bible says, Brother Rob, that we're supposed to be a sweet-smelling savor in the nostrils of God. You know, so the Bible says, Miss Jessica, when he looked across Nineveh, their sin was so bad that it was stinking to the high heavens. You know what I'm saying? Our testimony should never stink in the nostrils of God. It should be, we should be effective. We should be the salt of the earth, Brother Vipon. We should be affecting people in a positive way and getting people to get hungry for the cause of Christ. Um, let me give you some things that we must do in order to become a giant for God. As I give you these things, I pray that with an honest heart, you examine whether you're growing or whether you're not. You know, the key in growth in, in, Christian, in the Christian life, Brother Rob, is to be honest. The preacher said it perfectly, Brother Conley, this morning, is people try to impress other people. And when you try to do that, you're, gonna, you're never going to be happy because that person will turn on you in a heartbeat. You know what I'm saying? John 6 talks about how Jesus preached. Jesus preached. There was 30,000 people following him, and they couldn't take the truth. You know what I'm saying? And 30,000 people, Miss Shine, were following him. And in a moment's time after he was preaching, however long that was, they all forsook him except the 12 apostles. You know what I'm saying? You can't trust people, man. The people are going to turn on you and burn you. You know what I'm saying? You got to trust the Lord. Yeah, the Bible says trust in the Lord and, and lean not upon your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. He's never going to fail you. He's never failed you one time. If you can go to somebody, you can go to him. If you can't trust him, you can't trust anybody. And... um. So I want to talk about this uh, the, tonight. Um, the, David said, examine me. He wanted God to examine his heart. That's honesty. You know what I'm saying? He, didn't want that, he, didn't want, he wanted God to come in every corner of his heart, every inch of his heart, and examine it. That, that's, what, that's when you become mature as a Christian, you know, not hiding anything. Uh, Psalms 139.23 says, search me, O Lord. We all should want God's spotlight to be upon us, searching our hearts, because that's the only way we're going to mature. Um, so, number one, in order to become a giant for God, one must study and meditate on the Word of God. Listen to me very carefully. Brother, me and Brother Zaz were talking about this at the Nativity just a little bit, but I'll get into that in a minute. But I don't know too many people that can quote the Word of God anymore in the pulpit. You know what I'm saying? Um, I've had times in preaching that I've quoted over 200 verses in a message, in one message. You know what I'm saying? But... The meditation is lost in our day. We just grab a, we grab a lesson, Brother Conley, off the internet, and we're just ready to go. You know what I'm saying? But there's no labor. There's no labor over the word. There's no study. There's no, the Bible says that, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that need not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. A workman. I have it underlined. You know? The Bible says everything we do, Brother Vipon, our labor for the Lord is not in vain. When we put the work in and we study, God will bless our lives in a great way and, and will be effective for the cause of Christ. You know why people are ashamed when Jehovah's Witness come to the door? It's because they don't know a thimble full of the Bible. They don't know John 3, 6, and Jesus wept. They struggle to know that. You know what I'm saying? And the Jehovah's Witness know way more than we do. Sadly. You know what I'm saying? We should be running them off the porch with scriptures. You know? It's just that simple. Um, Paul said in 1 Peter 3, 15 that at all times we should be ready to give an answer of our faith of the hope that lieth within us. We should never have a moment where, I understand we're human, 
but our minds should always be on God meditating day and night. And if we can do that, if we can accomplish that, then we'll be ready to give an answer when a time comes. The Spirit of God will bring that to our remembrance, is what the Bible says. Um, Psalms 1, we know these verses. Psalms 1, 1 through 3, beautiful verses in the Bible. Uh, I could quote them, I'll just read them. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of the sin, uh, standeth in the way of the sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. The Bible says, The entrance of thy words giveth light. We got to let the words of God come into us through our heart, through our mind, through our study, through our worship. You know what I'm saying? And we're going to flourish if we do that. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he shall do shall prosper. Great things happen when you meditate on God's word. That's what the Bible teaches. All the true giants of the faith down through the years who made a difference were studiers of the word of God. Studiers. Now, um, I did this years ago, but I'm not going to do it tonight. But I just... I remember doing a lesson for those hours, and I had, like, I just picked random verses, like, because I wanted to test my memorization or whatever. I had 70, 75 verses, and I just had them randomly scattered on the page. My point is, we should be able to look at the Bible and know what that verse says. I don't care where it is in the Bible. We should have that knowledge of the Word of God. We've been saved a long time. You know what I'm saying? Um, it, it shouldn't be as difficult as it seems. Um, but the Bible says the word of God, um, Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. You know, this word of God has power. Uh, my, my dad raised me well as far as knowing the history of Bible and things of that nature. And he was very, very serious, Brother Connolly, about the Bible. We had it all over our house, the old-time scriptures, you know. And I, I seen the importance of the Bible at an early age. And uh, it's just not another book. It's alive. The Bible says it's alive, it's breathing, it's inspired of God. That's what the Bible says in, in Second, or Timothy 3.16. And um, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. The Bible says that God has magnified his word above his own name. That's how powerful the word of God is. He has magnified his word above his own name. Psalm 19.7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Praise the Lord. Uh, Psalms 12.6 says, The words of the Lord are pure words and silver Tried in a furnace of fire, purified seven times. The Bible says, uh, Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never pass away. That's what the word of God says. The Bible says in 1 Peter 1, 23, being born again, not a corruptible seed, but incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. This Bible ain't going nowhere. You know, the, the old song says, the Bible stands. Though the hills may tumble, through the hills may crumble, the Bible stands. It ain't going nowhere. You know what I'm saying? It's settled in heaven, the Bible says. Um, Matthew 4, 4, Jesus said, Men shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Job 23, 12 says, I esteem thy words more than my necessary food in raiment. Uh, the Bible says in Psalms 119, 11, Thy word have I hidden my heart that I might not sin against thee. Hide that word in your heart, and you'll find yourself trying to do right more than you're trying to get out of stuff. Um, Psalms 119.9 says, Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to the word. The Bible says that in uh, Isaiah 48, says, The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of God shall stand forever. The Bible says in, first, in 2 Timothy 3.15, Timothy knew the scriptures from childhood and continued to labor in the word and doctrine. He knew the holy scriptures from his, from his youth. 
We need Christians who are willing to set aside daily time to labor in the word. He said it perfectly this morning. Man, he was on point this morning. He said that we have all these distractions that become idols. We're all guilty of it. I'm guilty of it. Yeah, I'm saying the devil is slick, man. The devil knows how to get you away from the prayer closet, your Bible, because through busyness and activity, some, some of it don't even seem wrong. Yeah, I'm saying sports and whatever, whatever you want to fill in that blank. But whatever takes your mind away from God, is an, it can become an idol. Right. Yeah, I'm saying? And uh, it's dangerous. Uh, but the goal for everybody sitting here, we got good people here. The goal for everybody sitting here is that you should want to be mighty in the scriptures. This is what the Bible says, Acts 18.24. And, certain, and a certain Jew named Apollos, being of Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in scriptures, came to Ephesus. Listen to me very carefully. I've, I've seen some mighty men in scriptures. I've known men that's read through the Bible 200 times, 150 times, 200, and, and they know the deep things of the Word of God and, you know, the simple things and been around some great men, you know. Dr. Don Green read through the Bible over 200 times. You know, I've been around Dr. Mendez. He's at night and day. He was reading the Bible. I mean, just in, in it all the time. Um, I, know that I know the difference between just grabbing an outline and, you know, and that is playing it off. You know what I'm saying? We got, we got to be serious about this thing. Um, I love Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards was part of the Great Awakening. He read, Miss Ruby, he was, he was known for the greatest studier of his time that they knew of. He would read up to 12 to 14 hours of the Bible a day. 12 to 14 hours of the Bible every day. He had 10 kids on top of it. And he could read 12 to 14 hours a day. And he'd preach twice a day. This is in the heyday of the Great Awakening when God slept across this country. But it didn't come through laziness. It came through labor. It came through sacrifice. And that's what we need in our day. Uh, Jewel Smith, one of the greatest men I've ever come in contact with. Anybody ever hear of Jewel Smith? He had all, you heard of him, Brother Vipon. He had all the famous Bible heritage. He had all the old Bibles, the chain Bible, the Thomas Bible, reference Bible. And he would bring them all. He actually had a cuneiform tablet of Moses' day. You know what I'm saying? Crazy stuff. I mean, we wait in line for two hours just to buy a $150 Bible page. You know what I'm saying? Because he presented the history of it so well. And we, we were crying like babies in that church. Just every age. It was, it was one of the most powerful experiences I've ever been a part of. But Jewel Smith, I went to see him at the end of his life. He was just an incredible man, Brother Rob. He had Parkinson's disease. This was the last year of his life. And they were helping him around the church. He was 90-something years old, 92 years old, Miss Shine. And they were helping him around the church. And you could tell his mind was gone. It wasn't even into the service. And when he hit that pulpit, everything came alive. And everything was like clear as a bell, perfect. And once he was done, he's just quoting the Bible for an hour, hour and 15 minutes straight and giving history of the Bible. And when he was done, when he's done, he kind of like just collapsed on the pulpit and they just brought him over. But that's what kind of, he had that kind of knowledge of the word of God. And God just flipped the light on when he came I've seen that with Tom Malone, too, at the end of his life. When Tom Malone was at the end of his life, we all went to Midwestern Baptist College, Miss Shine, and he was 90-something years old, and he was feeble and, and, you know, broken down and everything. But when he hit that pulpit, it, all, it, it looked like a young man preaching. I've seen some incredible things in the pulpit. Um, but the Word of God. Me and Brother Zyers were talking about a, a man, I won't mention his name, but he's known as the Walking Bible. He's known as the Walking Bible. He was on, he was on um, television for many years. But I remember as a kid watching him, Miss Darla, and I remember my eyes just opening up to this. 
he would quote the Bible for the whole TV show. You know what I'm saying? It was incredible. And it got me hungry for trying to understand the Bible and read it. And, um, but for every one of those guys, how many Christians don't even read the Bible? I mean, it's a, such, a diff, a, such a stark contrast. Um, I remember one of my favorite preachers, um, his name's Phil, Dr. Phil Kidd. When he got saved, his, his, um, he'd never been in a church service before that service. And um, his aunt was praying for him for three years. He got saved. And I remember his, his brain was so fried out on drugs, he, he did, they did an examination of his brain, and he only had 12% of his brain left operating. Now he's preached over 16,000 times, and he's read through the Bible 70 times. But now he's like one of the most gifted men in this country, you know what I'm saying? He's the most renowned men. But it's amazing what the Bible can do when you get into the Word of God, how you can grow into a giant. Um, Fanny Crosby, my favorite, my favorite songwriter. Fanny Crosby, she was a blind lady six months after her birth, and her, her grandmother would feed the Bible into her, you know, just feed it into her. She had the whole New Testament outside of a few chapters memorized when she died. The whole New Testament, and she had much of the Old Testament memorized. And she said that's where the wealth of all of her hymns came from, from the knowledge of the scriptures. And uh, it's just incredible. We are without excuse. You know what I'm saying? Right. If a little blind lady, right. and, and, and also she counseled three presidents spiritually. She advised three presidents. They would call her up, the presidents, for advice spiritually. <laughs> Crazy. But um, that's, what, that's what reading the Bible can take you to new heights. I've seen kids stand up. Uh, Miss Adeline did it not long ago. It was a blessing. That was an incredible moment in this church when Miss Adeline stood up and quoted whole chapters of the Bible. I mean, that should put us adults to shame, honestly. Anytime that happens when, like, Adeline or the Rochester kids, I've seen that happen before. Man, I'd get under heavy conviction watching these kids. I mean, crazy. My dad was saved at a Christmas program through, through a young man, a teenager, quoting Isaiah 53. He quoted the whole chapter. My dad told all of his family, get out of the way. I'm going to get saved. He got saved. There's power in the Word of God, I'm telling you. And it can draw sinners to Jesus Christ. I've seen adults with very little education do the same. God is not a respecter of persons, and if a person of any age dives into the Bible consistently, it can cause great growth and maturity every time. Acts 17.11 says, These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, that they received the word of readiness in mind, and searched the Scriptures daily, whether these things be so. We all should be searching the Scriptures on our private time. You know, Not everything a preacher says is correct. You, you, need to, you need to know what that Bible says and question them if you have to. You know what I'm saying? Um, because you don't want false doctrine and error going forth. John 5.39 says, Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. Many people think they're saved. But the Bible says, These are they which testify of me. So salvation is not just a mental decision. It's a change of heart, change of mind. and it, It's Holy Ghost conviction. Um, a deep understanding of scriptures brings peace, contentment, satisfaction, joy, strength, and stability in a Christian's life. Listen to me very carefully. I know when people are kind of immature in the cause of Christ, when they're always, when they're always a needy Christian. You know what I'm saying? When they can't feed themselves, when they always have to seek counsel. That's, that's a result of somebody that's not in the word and not studying the way they should study. You know what I'm saying? I can never, ever remember a time in my whole ministry, in my whole life. I mean, if the bottom's falling out in your life, by all means, go see a man of God or a counselor or something. But for every little petty thing, that's an example of somebody that's immature in the Lord. 
I've never, ever went to a preacher and have him counsel me. You know what I'm saying? Um, not because I know everything. It's just because I don't want to bother him. His time is very valuable, you know. But maturity brings that. It brings a peace, a stability, a satisfaction, a joy, a strength. D.L. Moody said this. He once said this about the Bible. The Bible that has fallen apart is normally owned by somebody who isn't. The Bible who's fallen apart is normally owned by somebody who isn't. Praise the Lord. I mean, you can't get no better than that. Um, Charles Spurgeon once said, visit many good books in your life, but live in the Bible. Live in it. If you want to grow into spiritual giant, there are no shortcuts. It's old-fashioned labor for the Word of God. We live in a day and age, I'm going to try to speed it up. We live in a day and age where we want to take shortcuts. We don't want to take the old-fashioned route. And you can't, give, you can't become a spiritual giant for God if you're going to do that. You know what I'm saying? You might fool everybody else, but you ain't fooling God. Um, so, number two, if you want to be a giant for God, you must be consumed in constant prayer all the time. I don't care if you're driving down the road. I don't care if you're working. I don't care if you're at home. I don't care if you're in church. Your mind should always be in a state of prayer. You don't always have to kneel at an altar to be praying. You can pray going down the road. You can pray just in your private time. You can pray in the woods. You can pray anywhere. God's available at all times. It ain't like he goes out of business when we close the doors here tonight. You know what I'm saying? He's, he's always available. James 5.17 says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Without a life of prayer, no growth is possible. No victory is possible. No ground is gained. And no revival is happening. You know, Mr. Ruby, the saddest thing in churches is when people just spin their wheels as Christians. There's no progress. There's no growth. There's nothing like an Enoch that grew every day, consistently, every day. And when he died, when he died, God translated him and took him to heaven. You know what I'm saying? But there's a, I would rather somebody grow slowly, very, very slowly, than somebody who just don't even have a desire to do anything. You know what I'm saying? Um, God sees the heart, you know? Um, R.A. Torrey said this, Prayer is the key that unlocks all the storehouses of God's infinite grace and power. You'll never, ever know the power of God unless you learn how to pray. Never. And Billy Sunday talked about that. Who, they, they who are a stranger to prayer is a stranger to power. So you have to learn how to pray. You have to get a hold of God. Acts 4.31 says this, And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. When you're filled with the Holy Ghost, Brother Connolly, you're going to have boldness. You know what I'm saying? The apostles prayed for it. Daniel prayed that God would shut them out to the lions. God sent an angel to shut them out to the lions. The three Hebrew children took a stand and was bold, and God delivered them from the fire. God blesses boldness. We live in a day where preachers condemn people for being bold. I'm not talking about being an idiot. You know what I'm saying? Or doing something that purposely grieves the Spirit of God or causes conflict. I'm talking about there's times in your life where you got to obey God rather than man. And sometimes we need boldness. We need, we need people that are unafraid to take a stand and to witness for the cause of Christ. We need a, we need a backbone like a telephone pole. You know what I'm saying? And uh, God will use us in great ways. Um, sometimes we got to fight, you know, the, we got to fight other members sometimes, other family members to accomplish it. He talked about that this morning, dreamers. You know, when you're a dreamer, they threw Joseph in a pit, his own brother's. Only because he was doing things for God. So the Bible says sometimes in the last days that people, your enemies will be they of your own household. There'll be people that, that just can't lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God and despisers of those that are good. You know what I'm saying? What a shame. Cain killed Abel just because he was righteous. That's it. You know, he did nothing wrong. 
Um, Hebrews 4.16, let us come therefore boldly unto the throne of grace that we may attain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. How often do you go to the throne of God on a daily basis? Ask yourself that question. You know what I'm saying? I ask myself that question all the time. Um, Christians remain babes in Christ because instead of praying about situations, they would rather complain about it. Moody, Moody said this. If you don't know D.L. Moody, go look him up. Praise the Lord. He had one million people saved during his ministry. One million. Amazing man. He would bring five rows of people. <laughs> Ms. Shine, he'd bring five rows of people every Sunday as a young Christian to hear the word of God. And eventually... He would bring 10 rows. He'd bring 15 rows, 20 rows. And eventually they built a whole building for him because they couldn't house the people no more. But this is what D.L. Moody said about prayer. He who kneels the most stands the best. That's what, the, that's what Moody said. A uh, wonderful lady, a, God, a woman of God said this. Is prayer your steering wheel or is it your spare tire? Many people follow Christ for the wrong reasons. Many people follow Christ for the bread, for the miracles, for the selfish reasons. But when you're mature in the Lord, you're going to follow him because you love him. You're going to follow him to hear the word, to hear truth. And a lot of people like to pull God out in the, in the rough spot in their life and forget about him all the rest of their life. You know, God's not a genie in a bottle. He's not this spare tire that you, fill out, you know, pull out every time you're in trouble. You know what I'm saying? God is a, a righteous God, a holy God. He loves you. He cares for you. He wants to hear from you every single day. Um, Psalms 34, 17 says, The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. Praise God. The Apostle Paul told us to pray without ceasing. Everything that comes in our life and along our pathway should be seasoned in prayer, no matter how big or how small it may be. I don't care what comes in your life. You better pray about it. Matthew 7, 7 says, and it shall be, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. God wants to hear you wants to hear your cry. He's your, he's your father. He wants to hear from you. Are you facing great storms in your life, financial crisis, failure, difficulties, trials, and impossible situations? If so, I have good news. We serve a God that can handle any problem you will face if you would just go to him in prayer. The roughest storm they ever seen in, their, in Jesus' ministry was on the Sea of Galilee. And the disciples said, we're surely going under. And Jesus stepped out on the bow of the ship where the bolsters waves, and the worst storm they ever seen in life said, peace be still, and it was over. And <laughs> that quickly. And the birds began to sing, the sun began to shine. It just took three words, peace be still, and it was over. That's what we need from, we need to hear peace from, be still from God. We need to go to God and not men. We need to go at, at the feet of his throne. I wrote a song about that, at the feet of his throne, and not go to man all the time. I'm not against counsel. I'm not against any of that. There's good men that you should mentor under. You know what I'm saying? Elijah had Elijah. Elijah had Elijah. You know, we can go through the whole list. Aaron had Moses. There's nothing wrong with that. Mentorship is a beautiful thing. I'm just talking about maturity. We should be mature enough as Christians to handle a lot of situations. You know what I'm saying? Um, Matthew 9, 26. Jesus said, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. I just take God at face value, you know. And we're going to talk about this in the next point. Um, God cannot lie, the Bible says. So I'm going to trust him over anything else. You know what I'm saying? Um, stop getting counsel from men and start getting counsel from God at the feet of his throne. 1 John 4, 5, 14 through 15. I love these verses. And this is the confidence. I underline that. This is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have petitions that we desired of him. Listen to me, if you come to this altar or you pray at home, 
whatever, and you have a hint of doubt in your mind, it's not going to happen. You have to have total faith. You know, the Bible talks about a lot of times when they came to Jesus for healing, he would ask them, do you believe I can do this? And if they said yes, he would heal them. Sometimes he wouldn't heal them. They had to have faith. They had to have total faith. Um, a man once said this, faith and prayer both are invisible, but they make impossible things possible. Greg Mueller said this, the great man of God, said this, I live in the spirit of prayer. I pray as I walk about when I lie down and when I rise up, and the answers are always coming. God wants to hear from you. I mean, he had 50,000 prayers answered. He wrote down in his journal throughout the course of his ministry. He ministered about 70 years. So God is not dead. He's still on his throne. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, Tim. And he never changes, the Bible says in Micah. He never changes. And we might change, but he's never going to change. So he's not the problem we are. Without a strong prayer life, no great growth is even possible. We have not because we ask not. Billy Sunday said, if you, don't put, if you don't do your part, don't blame God. That's what Billy Sunday said. To grow in Christ, prayer must be an active part of our daily life, our daily walk. Number three, if we ever want to become a giant for God, you must live a life of faith. Don't come to God without faith. If you come to God without faith, it's impossible to please him, the Bible says. So the Bible says, Hebrews eleven six. but without faith, it's impossible to please God. So many Christians live a life of fear and doubt, and it results in no victory and no triumphs in their own personal life. Giants of the faith will get out of the boat like Peter, and they will walk on the water whether others do or not. And when you do do that, I've done that in my life, and I know others in here have, you're going to get criticism. You're going to get, you're going to, the target's going to be on your back because they're not willing to do it. You know what I'm saying? The Bible says that when Peter walked on the water, he was walking on the water. Think about that. No other man has done that outside of Jesus. I mean, that's the most incredible thing I can ever even imagine. And when he got back to the boat, they were snickering at him because he fell. You know what I'm saying? It's always like that in church. When you go out to make, you go out to make a difference, some have compassion making a difference, and you really start walking with God. It's like David, when he stood before Goliath, his own brothers were mocking him and saying he was you know, naughty and foolish and rebellious. When all the time they were the ones that were naughty or rebellious. They stood before Goliath for 40 days and didn't do nothing. But here comes a little kid, sees the battle one time, and steps in front of the giant. Yeah, I'm saying you got to respect somebody like that, you know. Um, but you're not going to be popular if you take stands like that. Um, this is what the Bible says. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. The Bible says, "A just shall live by faith." Martin Luther King said this. I think this is the greatest quote on faith I've ever heard. It's just so simple, so it, it just resonates. Faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. That's what faith is. You, you, you trust God, you step out by faith, and you rely on him to take you all the way. Um, 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. As long as, we, uh, as long as we hang on to doubt, victory will be a thousand miles away in our life. Jesus said Matthew 17, 20, If you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place. It shall remove. And nothing shall be impossible unto you. Do we believe the Bible or do we don't? I'm serious. Do we believe the Bible or not? What does the Bible say? Nothing shall be impossible if we're in, in our prayer closets. You know what I'm saying? We hinder God. We do it. It ain't God that's the problem, brothers. It's us. Because the Bible talks about that he shall supply all your needs. We can go to him at any moment. Brother Eric, he's never going to let you down. He's never, you know, he, he always responds to faith. Always. Yeah, I'm saying. Um, I, I just, 
I just don't understand nowadays. Uh, Hebrews 11, the great faith chapter. That whole chapter is dedicated to people that walked with God and, and made a difference and had faith. It's called the great faith chapter. Elder Madison said this, when you have faith in God, you don't have to worry about the future. You know, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. And we don't have to worry. We worry too much. There's uh, 300, 365 times in the Bible, 365 times the Bible says, fear not. We worry way too much. 77, I think it's like 72% of the things we worry about never come to pass in our life. We, we worry about, we, we cause the problems in our mind. You know what I'm saying? When, when reality is totally different, you know? We worry about what's going to happen five years from now. Just enjoy life. You can't enjoy life doing that. You know what I'm saying? Every day, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Take one day at a time. One day at a time, sweet Jesus. One day. Don't worry about the future. God will take care of that. You know say If you have faith. Uh, Miss Roosevelt, uh, Eleanor Roosevelt said this. If you lose faith, you lose it all. That's what she said. Um, Theodore Roosevelt, I believe it was Theodore Roosevelt, his mom, and, his mom and his wife, I believe, or it might have been another president, one of those presidents, his, his wife and his mom died in the same day. And he was, had the highest position in the world. And, uh, but through prayer, he got through that, through faith. Um, Malia Jackson said, faith and prayer are the vitamins of the soul, and you cannot live in health without them. No one can become successful or become a giant for God without faith. It's impossible. And lastly... Last of all, tonight, to become a giant for God, you must be faithful to the Lord. Faithful all the days of your life. Whether it's in this church or another church, I'm just talking about being faithful to the Lord. You know, um, this is what the Bible says. First, first Corinthians 4.2. Moreover, is it required in a steward that a man be found faithful? It's moreover, it's above any other quality that man be found faithful to God. Because we owe him everything, you know. I remember a preacher saying that when he was in the ghetto that he, um, everybody turned their back. They stabbed him in the back. I remember him saying this. And he said he couldn't trust nobody. And he said over and over through the years, he said that people would say that they were going to die for him, his friends. They'd all forsake him. But he said when he got saved, he finally found somebody that held up that end of the bargain and would die for him and wouldn't forsake him. And... Um, this is what the Bible says. David became a giant and a man after God's own heart for many reasons, but his faithfulness was the key in why God gave him so many titles. You understand David, God's going to sit on David's throne one day. The Bible says that he was a man after God's own heart. He was worth 10,000 men. Think of that testimony. No, that was never said about anybody else in the Bible. He was worth 10,000 men. But this is what his heart's desire. This is why God's hand was on David so much. This is what he said, Psalms 24, 4. This displays the number one uh, the number one reason in his heart's desire for his life and his saving grace all of his days. Listen to this verse. One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. That was his one desire, Miss Shine, to be in the house of God and to enjoy the house of God, to worship, to, to praise God for who he was. And... Um, Without faithfulness, we will never excel or grow into spiritual maturity. Uh, I'm going to close with this. Proverbs 10.7 says this. The memory of the just is blessed. Let me, hear me out on this verse. The memory of the just is blessed, but the name of the wicked shall rot. Think about this. If you stay faithful, 
You will grow like the trees of Lebanon, according to the word of God. And the Bible says God favor, God's favor will be upon you all the days of your life if you're faithful. And when you die, people will remember that. When Charles Spurgeon died, he died pretty suddenly. Well, it was a couple weeks. They knew about it for a couple weeks. There was thousands and thousands of people. As they, he had so many followers. He was a prince of preachers. that He was known all the way around the world. He had, his casket would go through the streets of England, and they would hang out the windows weeping, crying for him because he made such an impact. He was so faithful. The Bible says in Samuel that the whole nation of Israel turned out to, hear, to see Samuel's funeral. So when you live in a positive light, people will remember you for the right reasons and for the glory of God. And um, Psalms 92, 12 through 14 talks about we can flourish in the things of God if we're planted in the house of God. But if you live like Demas or Samson and you fail and you quit and you leave, that's all people are going to remember about your life because naturally people are negative. Naturally, people are going to hold on to when you fall. A righteous man falls seven times. It's a shame, but that's just the way it is. The Bible says more people died in Samson's death than in his life. And um, they, they remember him not as this strong man necessarily. They, remind, they remember him as a man that got his eyes poked out and was grinding at the mill and died as a disgrace. And that will happen to every one of us if we are not faithful to the, the cause of Christ. And um, let's be faithful to God because we are bought with a price and we owe him everything. In the end, I'll end with this quote. If we tr Listen to me carefully. If we truly love somebody, it's easy to be faithful to that person. If we truly love somebody, it's easy to be faithful to that person. We should all love the Lord with all of our heart, all of our mind, all of our soul. And it shouldn't be, if you really love God, it's not going to be a problem being faithful. It's natural. You know, it's not it's something you fight. It's something, and we got faithful people in this church, and I give you a lot of credit. But um, he gave his life for us. The least we can do is live for him.